True. I promise. We're starting. Hello and bienvenido San Antonio. Welcome to the Alamo Hour, discussing the people, places, and passion that make our city. My name is Justin Hill, a local attorney, a proud San Antonioan, and keeper of chickens and bees. On the Alamo Hour, you'll get to hear from the people that make San Antonio great and unique and the best kept secret in Texas. We're glad that you're here. All right, welcome to this episode of the Alamo Hour. As promised, it's going to be a good one. Uh, Boyan Kalusevic is with us. He is, um, I was going to say head distiller and brewer, but I don't think that's true. You're one of the distillers at Dorgel Distilling and Brewing. Correct. I'm one of the one of the co-founders and one of the distillers. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I wanted to get you on. I met you a while back from one of your... Uh, I feel like it would be overstretching to say a business partner, but a business partner and a friend of ours uh, introduced us a while back. And I've always, you know, what y'all do, um, I think is a a work of passion and I'm a sucker for that. And also what y'all have done for the part of town that y'all are involved in has really been transformational. So I wanted to get you on here, talk about a whole part of town that a lot of people probably don't even know what's going on a whole project and a passion that you're involved in that probably a lot of people don't know about as well. So uh, to start, I do a top 10 list. So I'm going to walk you through this. I did not warn you or tell you what I'm going to ask you, but it's all fun. Let's do it. Uh, and, and as we're doing this, we're we're enjoying some of your fruit of your loins. How about that? Your Kinsman Rakia, uh, a gold medal uh, winning. Multiple gold medal winners. Okay. Well, you know, you need, let to, me talk you need to update the website because <laughs> I only saw one gold medal on the website. Ah, well, that's the uh, that was the world's highest rated. We, we left America's highest rated from a year before. Okay, all right. Um, y'all have even been in Playboy, I think. Right? Can you believe that? Yeah. Well, it's impressive. <laughs> I've seen some of the things in Playboy, but y'all's is the best of the things I've it's seen in Playboy. Best. Okay, uh, Boyan, when and why did you move to San Antonio? We're on our top ten list now. This is a little color commentary, and then we'll get into some stuff y'all are doing. Let's do it. Uh, Mom and Dad moved me down. Uh, I was in high school, and uh, dad's job got him relocated to San Antonio. Where'd you move from? Seattle. Okay. Um, what year did you move down? 90, 98. Okay, you've been here a while. A little bit. Okay, um, we are currently in the uh, time of COVID, um, the time when when branching out is harder for us to do. We're making a conscious effort to try to do a lot of takeout and try to support some of our friends. Are there any restaurants you're currently trying to you know, order to go from or try to support? Absolutely. Uh, we'll start with the immediate neighborhood. Uh, you know, El Forno does an incredible pizza. Let's, let's limit this to 10. I feel like you're going to. Oh, well, hold on. That's not possible. <laughs> like, I plead the fifth then. Uh, we've we got to plug we got to plug everybody in that's uh, that's a supporter. El Forno is fantastic. El Forno is fantastic. Sahaki's restaurants are all incredible. Clementine up in Castle Hills is incredible. Um, the guys at Outlaw Kitchen, Chef Paul does an incredible job, and Peggy's awesome. You've got. Uh, charity bar you've got folks over at uh uh who else am i um you know dakota east side i mean that's another you know remodel project on was a hackberry i think one of your really good stuff. friends jody newman was talking about how dakota east side is one of her favorite places going how right about now. that yeah with something in common yeah so uh, you actually just listed a bunch of places that I have not heard listed on the show, and I really have never been, I've never been to Clementine's. You need to change that immediately. You're not going to get there today, but you can take a you can do a to go order. Okay, uh, they do a feed me that's absolutely incredible. I haven't been to Outlaw either. Oh my god, I know. Like and and I consider myself like a down the street from here. The it, chef used to teach at the Culinary Institute. He does a great job. Is it over off the strip? Uh, no, it's. <laughs> On oh, the, uh, it's by the the um, theater. North, North Forest, yeah, yeah, right up from the okay from the theater. Uh, they had something going the other day, and I wanted to go, but I didn't get there real quick, man. Okay, great food. We did so Luna yesterday. We're doing so Hill tonight. Excellent. Uh, we keep trying to help. Don't forget out. to order the high wheel that comes along with it. Did, will they deliver that? Of course they will. Did you deliver any tonight with your interview? I didn't. Oh, I heard oh, well, that it was already here. So I, you know, we that. have we have <laughs> Kinsman here, which I purchased retail to support Excellent. local. Thank you to for support doing our that. local friends. Um, Hidden gems in San Antonio, and this is sort of the off the wall places you tell people that are visiting San Antonio. You got to go do this. This is not going to be in your guidebook. I agree. What are some of your hidden gems? Um. Wow. Second Saturday for sure. Has to be. I mean, even people that people live here, do. I think. If I don't you've know never how been, they don't know about it. A lot of people about. don't know about it. It happens every second Saturday. 
of every so. month. <laughs> it's a uh, it's an awesome little art walk. It's uh, it involves uh, a couple of square blocks on South Flores and Lone Star. Um, there's a set of double tracks. Uh, there are probably a dozen and a half, maybe more, uh, studios, some live in spaces. Yeah. Um, there are great galleries, um, all, uh, artists owned and operated. So, and I'm not going to say hit or miss, genuine. but it's, it's kind of a different mix of people every single time, sometimes more, sometimes less. Indeed. Yeah. It depends on the opening. I think it depends on, um, the, the month and the year, you know, kind of thing. Uh, Christmas is always a little bit slower, but, um, Contemporary Art Month is every March, and that's always a uh, a time to schedule a second Saturday in the neighborhood. You got uh, Ruby City right up the street, yeah. at, you know Camp Street and uh, and Flores. So there's a ton of um, ton of really nice stuff that's happening. And we haven't covered this. Y'all are on South Flores at the tracks, um, just that's down right. from uh, as probably down from South Alamo, about half a mile, maybe even less. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that whole area has this big second Saturday celebration. It's a it's a it's a party. Dorchel's the anchor to this party every single time. And, and there's a bunch of artists that open up their shops and open up their galleries for people. Uh, so that's a lot your, of fun. That's your hidden gem. That's then. our that's our hidden gem. We'll take it. All right. Um, you were very kind to open up your distillery to my law firm, one fiesta, and we shut down our office one afternoon every fiesta, and we try to just go enjoy. We, we fiesta. We eat and drink and get That's to right. know each other. And you opened it up, and you really showed us sort of how it all works and the passion about it and how you got into it and how it works. And, I mean, I consider myself kind of well-read, and I didn't know a lot of these things. What is the hardest part of distilling? Because I know brewing, people talk about getting in and getting all the old spent grains out and how big of a pain that is. What about distilling? Uh, that's a tough question, right? Uh, Don't blow up. I mean, 10% of your job is the distilling. The 90% is attempting to run the business and clean, right? Um, I think ultimately peddling a very niche product. Uh, we've got a, an ODV, a, a, a brandy, a fruit distillate, uh, on the south side of San Antonio. I mean, right. We yeah. obviously didn't look at demographics or attempt to figure out, you know, does, does San Antonio need a $60 bottle of, uh, of a fruit distillate? And it turns out, you know, like you said, in 20, uh, 2016, we won a double gold in LA. It was the world's highest rated brandy. You know, Playboy wrote about it. These, these are things that, you know, how do you spread the word and, you know, get the support from the home crowd. And that's, that's probably the hardest part. I love how I feel like we're talking on different worlds. I said, I, I meant literally what's the hardest part of distilling. And you talked about oh, what's the hardest part of owning a distillery. No, it's a, it's a fine answer. I asked a bad question. Yeah, I yeah, should yeah. be a better lawyer. <laughs> what is the moment that you knew that y'all were really onto something with this kinsman? I mean, I don't, I'm not a liquor to drinker. Discover that, man. I'm still trying to discover that. But I mean, there had to be, was it, was it the gold medal? Was it the playboy? What, what was the moment where you're like, shit, man, we're onto something here. You know, it's funny. We um, so we opened Friday the thirteenth, December of two thousand thirteen. Okay, and um, that was no, you know, that was entirely coincidental. Did you say December thirteenth? Uh huh. Okay. Friday, December thirteenth. My sister's birthday. Oh, yeah. Make sure you bring her down for her next birthday. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back and open. I'll tell Natalie the party's for her. Entirely. Yeah. It'll. It won't be our seventh anniversary. It'll be uh, her uh, birthday party. Forty-two. I, I don't mean, know. I don't know how. You don't ask a lady how old she is. I would say the moment you knew y'all were on. <laughs> the something. moment we knew, we opened on that Friday, and a couple of dudes behind the bar were actually uh, Don Marsh, who's the uh, barman and the proprietor at 1919, okay. and uh, Nick Kenna, who was formerly of uh, of 1919, currently over at the uh, Blue Box Group, and um, he ended up being our first employee. But we opened on that day, and uh, to a great reception and a ton of folks. And um, we, we looked at it and said, oh, my God, people are here. And when folks asked, you know, is this a soft opening or when was your soft opening? We said, well, this is it. You know, it's, <laughs> we're, we're 250 deep and, uh, you know, we've got two professionals behind the bar. And uh, the next day was second Saturday. And I think that the idea that folks actually showed up um, to this, you know, thing we put together um, was a testament, I think, to you know, their willingness to try something new and different and us going, wow, people responded. The whole time I've lived in San Antonio, which is only 12 years at this point, I have consistently heard, yeah, but not in San Antonio. And then it succeeds that nobody will buy that. And then it succeeds. No one will live there. And then it succeeds. It's been this weird, it's a city that has a hard time moving forward, but when it's in, it's in. It's a, I mean, we're an underrated community and it doesn't help. I've got a cell phone. That's a five, one, two number from my college days. And 
it's, um, you know, people always ask, oh, you know, you're in San Antonio, why? And it's like, because it's hometown, right? It's, uh, you don't, why not? Yeah. And uh, and I think there's a ton of transformation, you know, citywide that, that's, that's led to this San Antonio today. Yeah. So. And y'all are part of it revitalizing a part of town. And we're going to talk about that some more. Uh, the next question, number six question. Um, one thing y'all do, which I think is fantastic, and I'm sure so many people appreciate it that y'all don't even know, but y'all have like a, a rotating gallery of artists that you highlight within your tasting room and your brewery every 30. You corrected me in a very terse way earlier about how it rotates every 30 days. Who picks the art and sort of what's the idea behind that? So a uh, ton of focus on local. I think we've had one, uh, maybe one or two artists over the last seven years that are uh, out of the San Antonio city limits, but um, curated by Nina Hassel. She's the director at the Contemporary Art Month. Cam is a, uh, a big part of what we do, not just around the month of March, but um, which is the Contemporary Art Month. Yeah. But, um, but instead, she does an awesome job of, of highlighting local talent uh, in all kinds of mediums, and, um, and we get to just kind of give up our walls and, and let them showcase uh, their their art. It's great. So some of the art in our office comes from an artist that I got in contact with who was at your place. And awesome. I was he looking at the art and found him on Facebook. I didn't go through the right channels, I'm sure. And it dons the walls now. That's exciting, man. We've never made a dime off of a uh, off of an exhibit. We've okay. uh, we processed everything for the uh, uh, for the artists and in the name of the artist. Very so cool. we're uh, yeah, we, we kind of um, we appreciate their participation. Again, it just makes you so much better than our mutual friend that's also one of the business partners of you. Um, what <laughs> it, what are, we you lose know, friend loosely apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he knows we he love knows. him. Um, <laughs> you're a small business owner, which comes with its own set of complications. You opened a distillery at a time when that was difficult to do. It was not as accepted as it is now. And you opened in a in a underserved part of town. You have a unique perspective. So what are some of, what do you think is maybe one of the biggest challenges facing San Antonio as we grow and we are pulled forward? You know, Maybe focus is one of those things we got to make sure we retain. You know, if it's in a certain area of town or a certain neighborhood or, or, or certain projects, there's a ton of, um, you know, ton of competing interests. Uh, you know, attention span for folks is sometimes short. Um, you know, obviously the um, you know earning potential, the employment comp- you know component right now is an interesting time just because of the the uh, the pandemic. But um, you know, long term, I think the uh, if we were to focus on the infill projects, the, you know, getting that downtown redeveloped, getting a little bit of that footprint, widening it out, you know, both sides of the river, the, you've got the projects on the um, Salado Creek helps a lot. The creek, correct. Yeah. The expansions, those, you know, I think they broke down on phase two. Phase two is what it's I think being that's done right. With. Yeah. yeah. So I think it, it's gonna it's gonna require a lot of people coming together. Uh, you know, the bond bond being successful, the the projects, you know, moving forward and. You know, some of the developments actually coming to fruition. You know, it's funny. I had somebody on the show, um, and I said, what's one of the things that makes San Antonio different? And they said, San Antonio still votes on bond projects. Yeah. A lot of cities have turned <laughs> against them, but San Antonio still wants to spend money out of pocket to make our city better, which I think that's unique, and I think it's great. Um, do you do any Fiesta stuff, and how long before Dorchel has their own event? You know, uh, it, it takes a minute. It's... Um, you know, a few years ago, and probably would have been maybe 16, we did our damn best uh, to participate as one of the official beers in the uh, German Hall because yeah. the Kolsch is is a very classic uh, German beer from Cologne. And uh, it turns out um, that large distributors, um, you know, one in particular that has that contract. Um, they did not like that. Did not participate. Did not want us participating. So um, I think it'll be a minute. We we made a we we doubled down on the commitment to self distribute and and support our brand and and those that support us, um, ourselves, you know, um, Fiesta is a very um, uh, a very lucrative uh, citywide project that, you know, for the time being is is probably outside of our realm. But I um, feel like y'all are perfectly placed to have a post. Uh, King William event. We've done incredible. Yeah, we've yeah. done that stuff, but that's, you know, those all are you got to do is make it a fundraiser. Right? The, yeah. 
And then, you know, prove yourself you out for a few years and you become <laughs> an event. We've done the floats. We've uh, we've participated in uh, in some things. But, uh, yeah, we uh, I think it's very much a San Antonio uh, a San Antonio thing. What do you love most about living in San Antonio? Um, it's it's got to be the food right now. It's a uh, it's 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 very diverse. It's, it's getting a ton of attention. There's some great cooks, you know, putting together some great stuff. I'm a fan. I mean, the Spurs too, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I want to know what you really think about the food scene. Like, uh, what are you talking about? Let man? me let me just ask. I'm a fat in, baby. in the last week, where have you eaten other than home? Well, you can't eat right now in the last home week, cooked. Right? Well, that, yeah, that's easy. I I think I may have had one home cooked meal um, that was probably uh, so in the last week. In the last week. Um, should I pull out my bank account just to make sure I'm not no, lying? Uh, I don't you take know. my word. Yeah, generally, um, I've definitely had El Forno. Uh, I had Whataburger. Um, I, I, had, uh, I had some. Uh, st- I have Starburst right here. That's lunch from earlier today. <laughs> I mean, you've been carrying around a bag of Starburst the whole time. Listen, man, I came after one meeting into another, so uh, this was my lunch. <laughs> like that's an excuse. Um, I've got a. Uh, I've got a. I've got an Outlaw Kitchen order. Um, there was a. Uh, Charity bar on Cherry Street. Okay. Um, who else what part of I, town do y'all live in? Uh, so just off of uh, uh, Central 410 I-10 kind of thing. 410 I-10 kind of thing. Okay. North North Central. I mean Central. What's the neighborhood? I don't think there is one. It's that unincorporated, non-historical, non, non-significant, you know, not quite. East uh, or west of I-10? West. So not Alamo Heights. I mean, not, uh, not uh, Castle Hills. So it's like this I-10. weird, you know, just the non-incorporate, non... Over there by, like, Dave Buster's area. No, that would be the wrong side. The other side. Oh. So closer to... La Fagata. Close, yeah. Further, okay. just like There further. is a name to that. Is that Los Angeles Heights? I wouldn't. I mean, if there is, no. I don't know about it. So I pulled a map one time of all the names of all the neighborhoods, and there are just a, a lot of, of them. Yeah. yeah. So I live in North Shearer Hills. Wow. Little known fact, it is south of Shearer Hills. You know, I mean, so, so what side of town is that? Uh, here. Oh, literally, literally where we're right sitting here. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I could walk home. <laughs> okay. Um, y'all own, you're an owner, you're a distiller. The place is Dorchel Distilling and Brewing. You have a personal family story, family history into what you make. And I think it's important to tell a story because so many people think, Liquor's liquor. It's a poison. It's a bad, blah, blah, blah. You know, you hear all these terrible stories about people that don't understand how a lot of distillers have a real long family story or family history into what they do, the same way people are passionate about anything they do. Tell us about your your history and your story and your passion and how you became a distillery and specific to this type of liquor. Before I became jaded and... Um before you became the guy with yeah. the bag of Starburst <laughs> sitting in front of me and with a two bottles of liquor with a yeah, Nike Swoosh T-shirt. <laughs> Listen, don't judge. Um, it's like the chef eating at Taco Bell, right? And like, you don't talk about it. <laughs> you don't talk about it, but it's three in the morning and it's available. He's like, "Don't look me in the eyes." Do not. Yeah, I'll pay with cash. It's yeah. not on. Nobody can trace it back to me. Um, I was born in uh, I was born in Belgrade. Um, Belgrade's at the time capital of Yugoslavia. Um, modern day or today's Serbia, uh, Eastern Europe. So, you know, think the Balkans, uh, was that when Slobodan Milosevic was there? No, it was before that. Um, yeah, yeah. I think eighties. It's a fun name to say (laughs) the, uh, yeah, before all the NBA players, uh, before all the Serbs became NBA stars and, uh, tennis super, uh, tennis champions. Um, no, the, uh, the year was, uh, many moons ago in the early eighties. The, um, we're the same age. Oh my God! I know. Running up or down? I don't know don't what know. that even don't means. Talk about it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I'm still under forty. Me too. Good for you. Yeah, um, I had to prove it recently, but yeah, it's true. It's, I'm under forty. The last guest on the show looked at my logo and said, "You look a lot younger in your logo." I said, "Well, first, it's a cartoon, <laughs> and second, it was taken three years ago, so it's been a rough three years, I guess." It's been tough. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, Born in the uh, early 80s in, in Belgrade, uh, the neighborhood is Dorchel. Um, yeah. It references a, uh, a play on, an, uh, on a Turkish word uh, that 
that's uh, four corners. So uh, Dorchel was a trading post in the uh, in the uh, Roman times. So Danube runs through the downtown Belgrade, and um, it was uh, it was the western bank of the Danube where the Roman merchants and uh, and settlers traded with produce from or product from the east. So um, ended up in the ended up stateside, and uh, as a kid would get sent every summer to go visit the grandparents, and in Belgrade, uh, in Belgrade, yeah, and yeah. you know surrounding areas and. Um, Every year, Grandpa would send Dad some uh, some home distilled rakia brandy. And one particular year, my brother do you speak and, uh, Serbian? Is I do, it Serbian? Yeah. Serbian, yeah. okay. Serbian Croatian. I mean, I, I don't. It's modern days weird, but um, we, uh, my brother and I, were kids, and we we flew through Chicago for the uh, connecting flights. And uh, Chicago has a very large Eastern European uh, immigration. And the fella that that we were randomly selected for the luggage check additional screening. Well, this was pre you know pre early two thousands, right? Pre nine eleven. So back then he could have been considered random. <laughs> <laughs> the um, these two kids end up opening up the luggage, and there's a unmarked you know Coke bottle wrapped in children's clothing and saran wrap. <laughs> And uh, he, uh, the guy that the customs border patrol guy, accuses us of bringing in Shlivovitz, which is a particular type of rakia, a, a plum brandy. And I remember us not bringing in Shlivovitz over. It was a different fruit, but I wanted to be very matter of fact. And if he was accusing me of doing How something old were you? wrong, well, we didn't get to that. Okay. We, uh, it's my story, Dad. Okay, sorry. It's my yeah. story. So. Um, we, uh, you know, this guy opens the bottle because he's going to prove me wrong. And, you know, he sniffs it and obviously it's alcohol. But the dummy doesn't know the difference between the different types of rakia, right? And he just refers to Shlivovitz as being any type of, you know, let's call it moonshine. So uh, he's... Fruit fr- moonshine. Fr- I mean, he doesn't know any difference, I bet. But yes, fruit moonshine. And, and he, uh, he says, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe you've done this. You know, I'm going to tell your father. Don't tell your father to come looking for it because I can throw him in jail. And I respond back with... Two bottles per passenger. I can bring in two, and my brother can bring in two. And he comes back, and he goes, how old are you? And I think we were 14 and 10. <laughs> and he goes, over the age of 21. And uh, that's where we realized bootlegging was not in our stars. Did we, they take uh, it? Of course they did, yeah. Oh. And, of course, my grandfather, who loses his mind, right, drops all kinds of terrible words about the sky and and ultimately says, well, did you spill it out? Because, you know, he took it home and enjoyed it, you know. And and I, um, I ended up being scarred at can't bootleg successfully for my family. So uh, when you were in Serbia, did you see him distill it? Yeah, of course. So um, we well, skipped over a really important part of your well, as kids. Okay. So I skipped through the eighties, right? I moved right into the nineties. Well, I mean, where the cool I'm stuff saying you happening. skipped through the idea of how you learned that this was part of your I family. Mean, listen, Other than how the I learned was that I was at home and there was booze everywhere. You know, that's how I learned about it. How I got into it was they told me if I was one day going to have Rakia seriously stateside, I would have to make it myself. And, um, and that's how we fast forwarded, you know, 15 years, 20 years. And, um, you know, a, a co-founder and I were just dumb enough to, uh, to put something together, but we, uh, we grew up, you know, our summers were spent on the Croatian coast. Grandpa married a, uh, a Croatian woman on, uh, from Dalmatia and, uh, they had a ton of, uh, a ton of vineyards and he comes from an inner Serbian area where grapes and plums were popular. So Your life sounds like a romantic novel. No, it's it's terrible. Summers it's so on the hard. Croatian course, yeah, yeah, yeah. coast with a Dalmatian woman. Yeah, 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 and prosciutto and red wine. It's yeah. so horrible, yeah. difficult. Life is so hard. Um, but um, in any case, um, you know the the booze was just around, and I think there's a uh, you know food and alcohol have a different relationship um, in different cultures, and Eastern Europeans are um, you know uh, my parents money hid, poor and hid the beer. At the grocery the store. For, Literally, they would cover the beer in toilet so paper before we went to the checkout <laughs> line. I'm not kidding. I mean, how it is different in different cultures, my that parents would hide it. Yeah. yeah. Now, we, uh, you know, your parents would send you to the local store and go, you know, fetch the booze and bring it up, you know, to the apartment because you could. So it's a little different. So that was your background story in bootlegging. And how did he distill it? Did he have a still? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. So very typical of uh, an Eastern European. I feel like we're skipping over household. a lot. Like if you go to Dorchel, y'all have this super neat, yeah, cool, yeah, old distill. Well, so you know what's funny is that's not old. I mean, that was built for us um, by the same coppersmith. Y'all don't clean it well. It looks very no, no, old. No, it's it was it was literally <laughs> built in 2012. But uh, the the Eastern European, the Balkan. Um, Still, you know, uh, geometries are very traditional, and um, it's a. It's and is a that important? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The geometry, I mean, the shapes, yeah, the uh, the surface um, area contact between the vapor and the copper um, does a ton to to clean up the distillate. So, uh, you know that that speaks volumes um, on the on the production side of things as to why we got the recognition on on the spirit side so you'd go visit your family in the in the summer you would see your grandpa make traditional rakia in a traditional still so without disclosing the date of birth and the date of immigration there's a period when i lived in uh in the balkans uh full time okay and uh was growing up that was um you know those summers were still immersed uh you know kind of on the farm thing so you know there are pictures on you know, uh, carriages pulled by donkeys and shit, getting out into the vineyards. I, I mean, love the fact you say growing up in the Balkans because as a kid, I remember when you sort of had this, the Yugoslavia, the wars that were going on over there, and all the regions were such an important thing. And because I didn't have cable, I only had local news. <laughs> Brian Williams or whoever would discuss this every night. And I remember learning so, so much about it, so there was including Slobodan Milosevic. So there was a, a ton name. of history before that period that, uh, that allowed for uh, a much more joyous time in both uh, cultural and, uh, you know, travel or eating or drinking. Time. How far is Poland from there? Pretty far. Well, yeah. I'm Polish, so I want to know if I've got Pretty an excuse far. to like make liquor and give it a cool story. Totally, man. You got potato vodkas and shit. <laughs> not nearly as not nearly as good tasting, but you know, it's okay. It's like Northern so European. You're an amateur bootlegger bootlegging Seriously. liquor in a Coke bottle, um, and somehow you soda bottle. <clears throat> Coke is not a paid sponsor of the show, is it? Maybe Do we have to plug them in. Maybe <laughs> I'm still waiting on a sponsor. Is Dorchel interested? It's very cheap Hold right on, now. Tiger. I mean, very hey, cheap. you know, yeah. it'll go way up. <laughs> Uh, Joe we Rogan's right. $20,000 an episode for wow. one spot. Wow. Of multiple People spots. People pay for that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Who's so, this guy? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Fear, factor. Fear Factor. So you go from being a bootlegger to a guy whose uh, Rakia has been gold medal Well, there might have been like 15 years in between of growing yeah, we're gonna up, get there. going to college. Gold medal <laughs> award winning, all these wonderful yep. things. When was the next time you got into distilling or following this specific passion? Did you do any brewing or distilling in college, or was it all once you got here? You know, it's kind of funny. We talk about uh, you can't home distill like you can home brew or make wine. So, you can. Uh, your house will explode, though. <laughs> the feds don't want you to. <laughs> um, so uh, we will uh, we'll deny any, uh, any effort to uh, drag us into that. I don't know what the statute limitation for that is. Um, but... Uh, Generally speaking, but you've got three fifty-five gallon drums yeah. welded together. If anybody's <laughs> interested, in the, yeah, sitting in the uh, driveway <laughs> right now, waiting to be picked up by somebody. Um, now, I, I think the uh, the idea that uh, that distilling was in the family, and the idea that vineyards and and fruit was readily available, and you know, you didn't have a, a big house or a fancy car or anything because you know it was communism in Eastern Europe. Um, you settled for a uh, non-compromising tomatoes and and fruit distillates, and uh, you know it's why it's easy to be a snob now because you know what a real tomato smells like and you know what a good distillate tastes like. So um, you know when you talk about the culinary scene, you know earlier about what's really awesome about San Antonio is, you know there's a uh, there's an incredibly homegrown scene that that started with uh, chefs interested to do something other than frozen fruits and and vegetables and meats and you know now has. Uh, urban gardens and uh, you know local uh, produce and I have and an farms. urban garden. I have two beehives. I've got twenty Look chickens. You, I've got all the stuff. And, why and, are we not talking about this? And you know and, that's like the price of wheat in China or whatever yeah. the saying is. Because what I asked you was, how, what did you do in terms of distilling or brewing through like college or early life before well, you opened nothing. Dorchel? I, who? What twenty year old? You know, looks to yeah. I had a buddy I'm that just, that I'm brewed all through years. college. Did I you mean, do any of that? That's untrue. That, 
Unlikely. Did he really? Yes. He and they exploded. And they exploded life. one day in front I of mean. all of us, and he had we had to take him to the hospital because he wow. he capped Ruin? him too soon. Yeah. Brewing? I don't know. He did a secondary fermentation. All the bubbles. He had already capped them. Uh Kaboom. Kaboom. Right in his face. You don't think that could happen? I mean, you don't shake a champagne bottle in front of your face. We were diving behind (laughs) couches watching Tim. His name was Tim Gilbert. He works for the Census Bureau now. Wow. You can call Tim. Lives in D.C. Tim. Okay. So your next foray into brewing or distilling was once you and your business partner, partners decided, hey, we're going to do this. So what was sort of the next step? Was it finding the equipment, finding the location, putting your recipe together? What was next? The uh, So I'll start backwards, right? The recipe is pretty easy. It's 100% fruit distillate. So we don't hide about it. Tell it's, us what that means because I don't think people I – I didn't know until you explained it to me. I didn't realize y'all, y'all kind of make straight alcohol and then you kind of blend it down. We do, yeah. So, um, so you you take your sugar. Did you bring me any uh, hand sanitizer, by the way? There's absolutely none for public distribution. God. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so go on. This, tell us how how rakia and kinsman is made. Of course. So uh, rakia is a Balkan word for brandy. Okay. Literally, the entire Balkans call it rakia. It's uh, Serbian, Croatian, um, and uh, to make a good rakia, quality rakia, you use 100% fruit mash bills. So you literally take whatever fruit you're going to use. And it's always a single fruit, and uh, you ferment it. So you depit it, you destem it, and um, you uh, add yeast. And um, similar to brewing. So fruit is your is your sugar, sugar. Source, correct? Yeast is yeast, and those go together, and they make alcohol. Correct. Okay. So yeast uh, yeast converts sugars to alcohol, and um, you take this uh, you take this wine, if you will. And uh, you put it in the still. You, you run it through the still twice. So the first run is your stripping run. The second run is your spirit run. And that's really where the art art happens on the flavors because the spirit is split, or the spirit run is split into three sections, the heads, the hearts, and the tails. So uh, the heads are uh, will get tossed, uh, will be tossed. And um, these are the alcohols that are more volatile. Um these are alcohols that give you uh, a little bit of burning sensation on your lips or in your mouth, on your palate. Um, the hearts is where the... But the heads just get tossed down the drain. We do, yeah. Okay. Literally just toss it. What's the um, the alcohol by volume on that? A hundred, uh, it's 80, uh, you know, 85, 86%, so 190 proof. I mean, it's pretty high. It's ever pretty clear. High stuff. I mean, yes. It's, yeah, okay. You know, it's, it's a high proof booze. Um, the hearts is the, um, you know, just like it implies the, the meat of the, the highest quality ethanol. And, um, it is where your aromas and your flavors are cleanest. And, um, it's what ultimately gets collected and then moderated with treated water down to your, you know, bottling strength for us. It's 84 proof. So I never knew that you, you, you Science. distill really like high quality, high percentage alcohol, and then you water it down. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. And then the tails are what um, the tails are these bitter elements of the alcohol, and um, those also don't make the cut in the uh, in the hearts, and you know it allows for the spirit to be very clean, um, very aromatic. Why don't y'all do like other everybody does? So all the wineries have their hundred dollar bottle and then their twenty dollar bottle. Why don't y'all make a you know, you can call it, uh, I don't know, not Kinsman, uh, Brother Man. Yeah, Brother Man, yeah. something. Um, so uh, there are some uh, there are some distillates in the, in, in the works. There's some barrels you probably notice that are, uh, you know, sent around the warehouse. Uh, there's a single malt whiskey. That was a kind of a, uh, a precursor to the beer component. Um, there's some grape that's been aging. Um, Was that going to be Grappa? No, no, no. It's uh, uh, grappa would be the pumice brandy after the winemaking. Huh. We um, we literally uh, took the the wine itself and did you it. learn all this as a kid? Well, I mean, you see it, right? You don't think of it as a science project. You you at the time, right? But as you a look kid, at it as a task. Well, yeah. I mean, you're 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 having to shovel things, or you're having to clean things, or you're having to move things, or you're having to go fetch things. In, you I mean, I had one grandpa like, who was like, don't touch me. And I had another grandpa <laughs> no, mine were who different. would tell me to kill the pigeon. <laughs> oh, and I, also I, we'd go we'd go fishing and he would pee into a can because he was worried if he peed off the boat, he'd fall in. Wow. So we had a very different upbringing. Different. I mean, he was definitely an alcoholic, 
but not in the fun way that your grandpa was teaching wow. you science projects. No, no, no. For was us, that too was, personal? I mean, uh, I yeah. feel like my I feel like session. my upbringing <laughs> is way more common for <laughs> listeners than yours on the Croatian coast no, listen, making man, brandy, making booze. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did have a. Uh, you know, when your uh, third world countries do have some, or developing nations do have some, uh, uh, some really fun stuff that uh, that comes in a form that's less um, economic driven, if you will. And part of that is because y'all were communist and there was no economy. Socialist, socialist. Well, socialist. Iron Curtain. No, that was on the Bulgarian side. <laughs> that was one. That was that was on the other side of Danube. <laughs> okay, so. I've got just a few personal questions, and they're not personal. But they're, they're, they're selfish questions because I want to know. Go. How many times did y'all have to run through this process before you were like, this doesn't taste like shit anymore? Because there no, had to be did, some runs. Yeah, so we, we cheated a little bit. Um, we um, we had the still made in Serbia. So we knew what we were going to get was going to be very uh, identical to, you know, what was uh, what was available in the farmhouses. And is it is the still that important? It is, yeah. I mean, think about the tools, right? So, um, you know, it's it's one thing to have great dough for bread. It's another to have a, an oven that actually works, right? So, yeah. you know, baking in the ground and, you know, using coals to cover, for instance, right? I mean, things like that. Um, no different. Okay. Tools of the trade. Um, the other is uh, my uncle's friend of 40 years uh, owns the orchards that we started with. And uh, we literally put this 80-year-old man on a plane and we flew him out here. Uh, to make sure that when we put the still together and started distilling, uh, we had an adult figure in the room. And, uh, you know, the first day wasn't, uh, wasn't as fruitful as we thought. Um, we had a, we had a uh, flu vent collapse off the ceiling and, you know, <laughs> last-minute crisis. Um, but uh, we, we collected ourselves and, you know, woke up the next day and went back to it. So, um, so we definitely had a family support. I mean, we... You know, after after the family gave up on Your talking family. us, yeah. After we after they gave up on talking us out of this, they decided to uh, you know help instead of uh, in, in, instead of uh, divert the attention. Right. So um, so we had a you know both my uncles were um, in the uh, let's call it produce world. So uh, so we had access. Sounds like to they're drug dealers. How do produce, the produce. how do the apricots come in? It, it, yours is an apricot brownie, right? So Do you get a whole apricots? Of course, yeah, yeah. So you you literally prepay a harvest. Um, you know, in order for in order for the yield to be successful, you want the fruit to be ripe, and uh, a grower typically has uh, incentives to pick early because you get you know you get a ton of water weight, and um, so we work with growers to make sure that the fruit is ripe, full of uh, fructose. And, um, you know, that entails, that involves prepaying harvests and uh, then waiting f- to pull All the, Serbian. Yeah, in, yes, all uh, Central Serbian. So 90% of the world apricot supply actually comes from the Balkans and Turkey. Crazy. So would you use anywhere else or is, does Rocky require, I mean, you know, some. No, I mean, look, you can't, you can't make a good product with a shit ingredient. So why wouldn't you? Will y'all use peaches from Fredericksburg at some point? You know, <laughs> the hardest thing, look, man, that we talk about, you know, U.S. as being this heavy producer of foods and this, you know, um, we like to romanticize uh, orchards, but um, to to make, to distill fruit, you you literally have to have tons of fruit. It's uh, it's 20 pounds of of, uh, of a fruit to a bottle of booze. Is that right? Yeah, it's nuts. I was That was actually a question I was going to yeah, ask. So that bottle we're looking at right now, you, 20 pounds of fruit. Why don't you hold it up? Because you were very concerned that it wouldn't get enough. Yeah, there you go. Enough attention? Airtime? Yeah. Where, where do I, where do we? Well, you know, you can figure it out. Right there. There you go. So <laughs> that bottle requires 20 pounds yeah, of, 20 pounds of fruit. de-pitted fruit? Yeah. So, I mean, think of it. So think of, so let's pretend like you went to the grocery store and apricots are five ninety nine a pound. Yeah. So do 20, 20 pounds. So of would that, American peaches bucks. be cost prohibitive? I don't. I just so don't know the yeah, economics. Yeah, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of things, right? So uh, in order to make it uh, financially enticing to the grower, they pick it early. So ultimately, if your if your harvest yields are are low, you um, investing in the infrastructure long term is is a difficult, expensive task. Y'all buy look, futures, basically. In an essence, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're 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 hoping that the 
you know, you're you're hoping that there's no late season freezes or you know hail that that wrecks the trees. And um, you know, if you look to the uh, Texas grape industry, that's that that's a precursor. I mean, a ton of people made a so ton of investment. So since it's seasonal, do y'all distill as the fruit arrives and distill? Do y'all have a distilling season? That's yeah, absolutely. So that's that's that makes fruit Learning distilling so that hard. This is yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Um, all the boys and girls in science classes. Can we are give me a little splash in. of your kinsman? Of course. I want uh, just a two pounds of apricot. Two pounds. Of, well, hold on, uh, brandy, please. Let's say forty-two uh, yeah, percent booze. Yeah. Yeah. The um, the the truth is that fruit is only available once a year, huh. right? So yeah. so grain distilling uh, is a ton easier because you can get a bag of grain delivered on a on a truck. You know, just like breweries and distilleries yeah. do all the time. So uh, fruit distilling is a little bit more complex. Um, it uh, it doesn't hold. It's got its own seasons, and uh, and it's only available that one time a year. How do y'all so get it? What is it? I mean, I, I, what does it look like? I mean, it it's li- not a pallet of apricots. No, it's literally truckloads of apricots that end up on the back of a farmhouse in Serbia. They get delivered to us it in a bag, in a bucket, loads. no truckloads. So think about. So think of thirteen. It's not just single apricots, though. I mean, there's the truckloads of single apricots. Shut People up. have to pick this. I mean, how do you? I know avocados end up at H E B. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> in when they show up at the distillery, it's literally just a whole no, apricot with Serbian. a stem on no, it. No, no, and no, of course not. Of course not. We get to do our fermentation on the back of our farmhouse in Serbia. I mean, okay. so J C, uncle's friend of forty years, an eighty-year-old okay. man, that uh, we've invested a ton in the infrastructure so that they can take possession of the apricot for us okay so um so then what do they do with them? the stem and the the pit them okay so they're these machines that have uh let's call them augers so y'all get the and fructose that's right we get it we get a first we call them low wines but it ultimately what it is is in order to stabilize the fruit for shipping mm. you've got to be able to um somehow preserve the flavor profiles okay. right so the idea of freezing fruit um is both unpredictable and um not very conducive to quality control. So uh, a good friend of the, uh, JC's good friend was the uh, professor at the Belgrade Institute for Fermentation Sciences. And, you know, his first question was, you know, how do you, how do you intend on moving fruit from Serbia to, the, to Texas, right? And, uh, and of course, it's in August and September. So we're all in the Northern Hemisphere yeah. and the temperatures are outrageous. Um, you know, the ship travels for 30 days. So um once we worked out the logistics, I mean, we literally had the Customs and Border Patrol issue a ruling that allows us to import our own low wines. You know, we... When you say low wines, they're they're lowly fermented, basically, low, to survive yes, the they're trip? they're low booze. Okay. They're low alcohol. And then that That's gets redistilled. Um, so then when, and, when they get to, to San Antonio, they still have enough sugars that you can run the process. They've got the alcohol component. So that's literally what we're distilling is distillation is separating alcohol or any compounds based on boiling points. And alcohol evaporates, you know, blows off at a lower So if you had all the fruit in San Antonio to start with, you would do a like early fermentation and then a distillation. Is that Correct. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we did that. I didn't know the, that. We did that with the uh, grape stuff. Okay. So uh, we one season we actually uh, we we got uh, I think eight or nine tons of Texas grapes, and we've got three barrels to show for it. So <laughs> that's a ton of you know and yeah. And you look at the price, you know the, the Have y'all thought about peaches? Of, I mean, we make more peaches than any state in America, which still doesn't say we make very much. Okay. It's very you know if if you think about do 20 they make pounds, that many apricots over in uh, Serbia? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, think of think of grapes. You know, what I mean, think of uh, California grapes. You know, there's, there's I think about them all the time, all the time. Lots go down the gullet in uh, in in seven fifty bottles and uh, <laughs> seven fifty bottles. Yes, yes, that's correct. <laughs> Those not one fives, not one fives. Yeah. Sometimes we're bag. grown up. Sometimes bag no boxes, wine, not, you no know. boxes, no uh, no pouches. Well, um, self incriminate. I could literally talk to you about the distilling process forever. I th- you know, this is this funny thing that I think some people go through. There is a weird pat like if you were passionate about cheese, man, your cheese would taste better to me. It just would. Like <laughs> people that are passionate about what they do when they produce a product for people to ingest or enjoy, it's 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 family. It feels familiar and it's something that I have realized I've always loved. I got into the brewing thing in Texas whenever there were six of them. When I was in law school, I went and drove to every 
microbrewery in Texas. I think there were six or seven at the time because the, 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 the stories really just resonated with me and I loved it. Um, because we're not a long show, I want to, I want to switch a little bit and I want to talk about how you all have revitalized a part, a part of town that needed to be revitalized. That was on the edge of revitalization but y'all have clearly become the anchor tenant in a part of town that needed an anchor tenant. And y'all haven't done it haphazard. Y'all put a lot of money and time and effort into making sure that y'all are a destination for that part of town. Was the idea of revitalizing SoFlow, I mean, was this sort of just ancillary to what y'all were trying to do? Or were y'all really trying to find a part of town that y'all could become sort of the tourist destination or how did that come about and, and how have y'all grown as it has grown? You know, it's, it's, it's funny. We, uh, we, we looked all across town and, and funny enough, the, uh, you know, at the time Pearl was going to be a, a development and we thought, Oh, this must be like any other project that was big in San Antonio. It wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> so, uh, we passed on some stuff on, uh, I think it was Josephine street. Um, you know, they turned them into condos anyway. I, I just want to know uh, who in that discussion was the one like, no, I know dumb. what I'm doing. I mean, think about it. You know, <laughs> Chris and Boyan were the only two in the discussion at the okay. time anyway. But, um, you know, what the hell did we know, right? We're not in that circle. And, you know, there was talk of stuff and there was going to be a development and there was there was going to be a North River expansion, right? All these things were going to happen. There was also Sunset Station for 30 years and it's still going to happen, right? Yeah. So, um there's very specific reasons to that, and I would love to I have mean, some of those people on the show that have held that back <laughs> because the city will not give them what they want. But that's I another mean, discussion. Yeah, it's another day for another time. another another uh, another guest. The um, I hope that guest wears a salmon colored shirt on that is a Reebok shirt, though. Boom! Yeah, salmon. We'll have the, the that. That's uh, not pink, right? No, right. it's your color, salmon. The salmon. Oh, I thought this was red. So it's it, the, uh, well the lighting. I guess it's the blue lighting. If it fades enough, it's it becomes salmon. <laughs> <laughs> I use Tide. Text the colors. I use Costco. The uh, the um, the neighborhood actually was accidental. Um, you know, it was November, I think, of 20, 2010, no, twenty eleven, and it happened to have been a second Saturday, and uh, the. Um, there's a, a restaurant down the street from your first office that had just opened, and I had dinner there. And Which uh, one? Well, we don't. I don't think they're open anymore. It's kind of like the story of the neighborhood. Yeah. It's things come and go. Uh, but well, um, I mean, very good friends with Andrew. Yeah, very good friends. Very the closest friends. Very involved in, well, slightly involved Same. in that lawsuit. You know, whatever. Mm, yeah. You know, it's public. Did they? Did they pay? <laughs> well, he won. He won. Oh, did he? Yeah. So um, anyway, the um, after dinner, uh, I knew there was a lot that was for sale um, and uh, uh, rolled down onto South Flores and saw a, uh, you know, an, an incredible volume of folks just having a good time on the street. There was uh, great galleries run by great people uh, doing some really fun stuff. And, uh, you know, from uh, from former directors of uh, of of museums to homegrown Chicano artists. And, uh, and here's this lot that was infested with, uh, used restaurant equipment and, you know, crack pipes and syringes. Was there anything there before? Long time ago. Yeah. There was a, there was a building that had burnt down, you know, 30 years earlier and somebody just owned it. And so it was just an old burnt down building was there when y'all bought it? No, it was, it was a vacant lot that had restaurant equipment just scattered on it. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> They cleaned it out before we got it. Next but, to uh, the train tracks. On the train tracks, yeah. yeah. Uh, that used to be the used to be the days when folks would jump off the tracks and ask you, you know, which way is downtown, and you'd wonder just anywhere Shut but up. here. You act like it was two thousand or nineteen eighty one when no, they're like. I mean, think about it, man. In eighty one, King William was. Did was they have hopping. a stick with like a bag with at a the bag end of on it? the back? Yeah, it looked like uh, say Jimmy Crack Corn. Jimmy, that's right. <laughs> looked like it. I've seen that train go through there. If somebody jumps off of that train well, no, at 40 miles an hour. It stops there all the time. You know damn nah, well it does. I'm messing with you. It, it, stops for, it stops and then holds up traffic for miles. <laughs> it's I like, a very active. I like that you're track. getting annoyed with my jokes right now. I mean, go I'm ahead. annoyed. I'm having a Go ahead. Time. So you had used restaurant equipment. that yeah, was. it got cleaned up, and we, uh, we broke ground on February 5th of 2013. 
Okay. Um, how long before y'all were built out? Uh, f- officially, February 2000, February 2013 to December 2013. So what does that put you? 10 months? Okay. Uh, when was the first dis- distillation run? I Distilling mean, run. hold on. That's When was the first openly public legally? December 13. Okay. Um, have you, ha- has it been well received the whole time in that part of town? Have y'all had any blowback? Has it been? No, no, we were, uh, we, we literally, we couldn't afford to have blowback. So we literally went door to door and, uh, knocked and met folks and, and told them what we're trying to do. And, you know, the neighborhood was incredibly supportive in 2012, um, just as they are supportive in 2020. Yeah. Um, Met the you know, immediate neighbors, met the neighborhood leadership, um, you know, met the elected officials. Uh, some of those folks have obviously changed since, but the, um, you know, the idea was we were genuinely interested in being part of what was happening there. And for 20 years, there's some really great stuff that was going on in that intersection. And um, it was very, very genuine, very homegrown and, and uh, you know, not... Uh, you know, not interrupted by, by sort of out of towners, if you will. Yeah. You know, that was left on the river. Have y'all expanded? Um, well, we, you know, we grew a little bit. We uh, were in the process of adding a, a second bar to it. We obviously grew our production side of things. We added a second still. We, we added beer. We added a few large fermenters. We've, you know, we've done some stuff that allows us to, um, to share more of what we do and, you know, with others, but. Whose idea was it to have this community focus where you've got the food truck and you bring out the bands and you allow people to set up? Sh- I mean, y'all allow yeah. people to set up booths uh, on Second Saturday and sell things within your distillery. I mean, y'all are not just a distiller. Y'all have a very community focus, especially for Second Saturday and especially for uh, private events. I mean, y'all have y'all have Rivard Report speeches. Y'all have political events. Y'all have become part of the community. And we have civic sort- events. Well, whatever you want to call them. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a difference than being a business and being a business that has created an anchor for the discussion and communication with the community. I think, I think we knew that, you know, this, if in order for us to work, to be relevant, we knew we couldn't do it on our own. I mean, we're, we're two schmucks who, you know, we started out as two schmucks. Um, and now we're a couple more schmucks, but we, um, you know, we, we had, uh, we weren't disillusioned that somehow, you know, here we're going to do this, you know, God's gift to the world, you know, distillate. And, um, you know, when you look through your business plan that you wrote, you know, a dozen years ago, and the one thing that, that still resonates was our commitment to building a community around what we're doing. Yeah. And, uh, and that's literally in that plan, right? <clears throat> so we just, we, we knew we had to, uh, you know, sort of herd all the cats that were into, uh, what we're trying to do. And, and share it with them. So we do that with our spirit. We do that with our beer. Uh, we do that with our chefs and bartender partners across the state. So, I, I think what y'all do is fantastic. I mean, I'm really jealous that my degenerate friend became a business partner, and I didn't hear about this His business wife. opportunity. Yeah, well, that's also a good point. Um, <clears throat> I think you know we joked about this before we got on the show because the previous guest before you, he had never heard of y'all. He had never heard of Second Saturday, and he's exactly the kind of guy that should know about Second Saturday. What is a good way for people to learn more about the distillery? What What would you say is your perfect introduction to Dorchel? Because I went on a, the first time I went was a very like low attendance early in the day, Second Saturday. I had a great time. I got to walk around and hear things and see things. And I had sure. some cocktails from y'all. What is your two things here? What is the perfect day at Dorchel for a random person that wants to check it out. And what's the best way to learn more about what's happening at Dorchel? I mean, uh, you know, the easy part is the how to learn about it is obviously social media, right? It's how do people communicate these days? It's, it's on their, uh, on the Under Dorchel? Yeah. Dorchel spirits. Okay. So, um, Dorchel spirits.com at Dorchel spirits on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't know what else is out there. Um, and then, um, you know, under normal circumstances. Don't get on Reddit, by the way. That, the is people Reddit, there that's, that's are a terrible. terrible. Thing. Yeah. Man, they're Reddit, so mean. YouTube, horrible. They told me I, that my show was not, um, they said, you need to understand that people in San Antonio are not educated, wow. and therefore you need to rearrange your show. I thought, what in the hell are you, what, 
What did is you this? cancel your subscription? No. no. I mean, it's uh, it's free. Oh. Yeah. Did you, did you move to your MySpace account? or? I just changed the name no. to Bullion. Did you? <laughs> it's foreign <laughs> enough. The uh, No, so, um, you know, other than keeping up with us uh, virtually, you know, right now it's kind of an odd time, right? Um, so social media is the best way to get new information. Correct. Yeah, keep up with us, see what we're doing, see what we're up to next, next beer release, next spirit release. Next and then what do you menu. think is the best introduction to what y'all do? Would it be a second Saturday? Would it be a no, private it's, deal? What? It's, it's likely going to be like, a you know, when we're back into normal operations, it's got to be like a low-key Thursday, you know, 6, 7 o'clock. Because y'all have a bar. Still, correct. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're the first distillery that opened after the law changed to allow on-premise sales. So in 2013... Um, everybody was a manufacturing space that practically just cranked out booze and distributed it. And we miraculously designed the space to allow for a non-premise component. The but when you say distributed it, that meant y'all gave it to a distributor literally. to distribute. Correct. Yeah, That's I mean, y'all can case. distribute. That's still the case can, for spirits. Can y'all not sell Only Kinsman? For what? On-site or distribution? On-site. So the law changed in 2013 yeah, right. to allow on-premise sales. Before that, but you, you can't couldn't. sell a bottle of it, right? We can't. Yeah, two bottles per person per thirty days. Nice. I mean, okay. TABC is pretty um, explicit in how they want things done. Uh, we still have to sell it through a distributor to a bar or liquor store. Okay, but um, we can. Sell so it when on did site. it change that you can sell an actual bottle of liquor? Twenty thirteen. Okay, I, didn't, I that thought that was more recent. Okay, no, no, no twenty thirteen. What just recently in September changed was that we can sell you a bottle of beer. <laughs> is on that site. right? It literally just changed. Okay, September so 1. you couldn't sell beer, but you could sell liquor. Correct. That makes it gets sense. epic. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, we you're limited to how much beer now? 288 ounces a day. So, what, you 24? Uh, yeah, case. Yeah. So, uh, per person. I mean, I guess. But, I, I, mean, you know, I wouldn't know these if, things. I'm if, a, if you, uh, you can bring the uh, neighbor, or the spouse, or a friend in the car, and we'll, we'll sell you more than one. If I'm bringing random people to overcome the limit, I need to go. You know, absolutely not. You're just having a party. See man. my clergy. That's absolutely not. What's we, a clergy? We were blessed by Father Emil. He was at St. Henry's, and <laughs> he literally walked over. He's Polish, and he traveled Serbia on $5, apparently, in the 70s. And he came in, he heard what we are doing, he literally blessed the space. So, Do you prefer Serbia or uh, Croatia? I mean, same place. If you're, going vo- if you're going vacationing. Two total. you know, one's a... Uh, One's Beautiful. an urban downtown, you know, New York City. The other's a, you know, Which beach. one's urban? Downtown. Belgrade. Is it as is it as dense as New York City? Is it like that? I mean, that's hard, right? I mean, New York City is pretty dense. But yeah, it's an ur- it's, okay. it was the world capital, party capital of the world. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. According to who? I don't know. Playboy? Ness, yeah. <laughs> one In of the, the uh, USA Today, I don't know. Look there was one episode of oh, playboy that was channel. like best liquor <laughs> kinsman best city belgrade no uh, playboy didn't write about didn't name us the best liquor they reported on five best yeah, I know. american products or something to look for now we were one of those our friends. mutual friend was very proud at the gym and y'all should be that's a big deal Listen, i mean all of this dudes, stuff is a big deal yeah i mean there's there's we're we're very uh humbled by the attention we get from some really incredible folks I mean, I like that I know you well enough to joke with you, but what y'all have done here is really cool. It's very good. Your space is super cool. Thanks, man. The community that has been, I mean, it's almost has its own orbit on a lot of times. I mean, that's just true. It's, it's second Saturday is such a cool thing in our city that if you haven't been, you have to go, but y'all are the anchor to that. And y'all aren't haphazardly. Y'all are because y'all have a food truck and y'all have a bar and y'all let people that can't afford the big fancy galleries set up and y'all and y'all allow independent artists and musicians to be there. And it really is something y'all should be super proud of because I'm proud to, to know y'all. And I'm I, every time I go to that, I mean, I took my parents to that for Christ's sake. I mean, my parents are in their 60s and 70s. My dad's 74 years old. <laughs> it's family-friendly space. I mean, the last time he was there, I said, we need to go do this. I mean, it's it's walkable. It's nice. Yeah. When the weather's nice, it's fun. There's nice people. It's, it is this weird... You're exactly right. It's this weird hidden gem in the city that I feel like doesn't get enough attention. Y'all make great alcohol, but y'all also have become such incredible community anchors and partners for that part of our town that needs it. And I hope y'all get all of the attention in the world. What do y'all think is sort of the next step or what do y'all hope happens as y'all progress and as y'all grow? 
I mean, you know, if we obviously can put the, uh, the immediate uh, challenges behind us, you know, with this uh, coronavirus and stuff, I, I think the look uh, looking forward is going to be, you know, getting some more uh, folks down into the neighborhood. You know, there's going to be a, uh, a great barbecue joint was going to open across the street and, you know, the luck will have it. All the restaurants got shut down a few weeks ago, right? So um, there's, uh, I, I smelled the smoke earlier t- uh, today. So I think they're going to be back at it in the next uh, couple of days. You know, there's, there's going to be some stuff happening this weekend. So uh, I'm hoping they're successful. You know, Forno's the next block over. They're doing some really great stuff. Uh, you know, Johnny has Fruteria right up the street. So there's, um, there's a ton of really creative things that are happening. I hope folks will show back up and uh, show their support and, and continue to uh, to dig what we're doing, and you know the artists that are that are setting up shop in our space and in the galleries, and you know get the support and and the love. So y'all have Kinsman, it's a apricot brandy. Y'all have what beers on your current lineup? Uh, the High Will Betty is always the uh, the winner. She's our anchor. She's the only beer we canned uh, when the law changed in September. So she's kind of been the um, what carries the boat this uh, last three, four, five weeks? But y'all did just can another one. We just did, yeah. We just thank uh, you for bringing it here today. today I didn't you think did I was in a different bring. meeting. I was no, a, it's okay. I have a day job, man. Um, I think that's important. You, you have meeting. a real day job, different peddling, from this too. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm peddling a payroll. Wonderful things. Two wins. Oh. But um, but uh, yeah, we're 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 looking. Uh, you know, we're we're looking forward to releasing some some aged stuff before the end of the year. And we hope people show up and support us as much as, uh, much as they have in the past. That's going to make the uh, world a difference. Do y'all have any, or, y- you know, I was a huge St. Arnold's fan and a huge, you know, um, craft brew guy early on. I had St. Arnold's divine number one through 15 for years. <laughs> and I, like I had so many, I just sold some on eBay. Who sells oh. beer on eBay? I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, but I was that into beer. Are y'all going to get into any of these sort of small batch craft, you know, specialty beers? Or are y'all going to stick with sort of the sessionable, easy Listen, drinking? Listen, we literally, I mean, it's out of the world for us, but uh, we, we took subtle flavors to a whole new level with this uh, Wheat Colada thing. We we infused a, an American wheat ale, a Hefeweizen, with, a, um, uh, with some pineapples. So it's is, got this incredible uh, summer is this sold note out? to it. It's not yet, um, but I did get some texts for some case buys from restaurants. So I don't actually know that we're going to intend on distributing it to others, but um, we we took this opportunity to release our uh, you know our, our short supply tall boy series. Will you say me one? I'll say just one, one beer. One beer. Yeah, that's one can. Yeah. I got you. It's yeah. on me. Okay. Um, is there anything planned currently for what's going on at Dorchel, or is everything on hold? Or are y'all holding on hope that X event is still going to happen in the future? I think the um, you know we're we're trying to think outside the box. Um, you know we're hosting a, a cool chef on Sunday uh, to do a brunch to go. So we're cool. kind of excited to uh, good for y'all. I mean that's Betty what I mean. Michelada, I mean that's, right? that's great, man. I think you know we're we're doing our part. Uh, you know, it's nice to have folks want to partner with us. Um, you know, folks are going to come online. Who's the chef? Ed. Ed does. Uh, he's a homegrown chef. Uh, you he's just said some Ed. Cool. Ed. Ed. I know, but Ed doesn't have a last name or he's affiliation. A homegrown. Sh- he's homegrown. Okay. All right. Homegrown is his brand. Uh, homegrown chef. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's the whole thing. <laughs> just like, dude. Hey, he's an at-home chef. No, no homegrown. Homegrown chef yeah, is yeah, his yeah. deal. Okay. Cool. The um, is a cool cat. We got some cool stuff that's uh, that's coming along with. What that. time is that? It's, How do you uh, get it? You uh, you text us your you look it up on social media for the food menu, and then you text us at two one zero nine hundred forty four forty. I've always wanted a nine hundred number. Um, so that's when Sunday. Sunday uh, pick up pick up because I don't 11. think this is going to post before no, Sunday, but I will put it on our social Would media you, you and our uh, get the blog chef some attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'd love it. Uh, but uh, long term, I think we're going to be excited about you know, this whole beer to go thing to continue and, yeah. and boost to go. And then uh, hopefully get to host our official ice cream of San Antonio this summer. That's been a hit last uh, six years. So yeah, y'all have done that. Yep. You're in and you're out. Yeah. Uh, Boyan, thank you for being here. Um, this has actually been a lot more fun than I thought it'd be. I, I have realized I have a weird affinity for people that have a passion about something. Like it's just, it's, it's great to hear the stories I don't know these things. We buy alcohol, we buy beer, we buy food. And until you hear the story behind it, a lot of times you don't 
maybe appreciate it like you should. So thank you for being here. Um, when y'all start doing new things or getting into new lines or you release your 40 tons worth of grape, one bottle uh, <laughs> liquor, will you come back on? We'd love to. Okay. Thanks for having us. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Dorchel uh, Distillery and Brewery or Distilling and Brewing. What's the website? DorchelSpirits.com. Okay. Uh, you can find whatever you need at DorchelSpirits.com. You can find it on their social media, Dor- at Dorchel Spirits, I assume, or you live in San Antonio. It's not going to yeah. be hard to find. Uh, you can learn more about them there. Um, join us on our next episode. We're going to have continue to have great guests that are going to talk about what makes San Antonio very unique and special. Our top three wish list continues. Coach Pop, you're never getting off this list if you don't come. Shea Serrano, all the great things you're doing to help out San Antonio. And I'm a huge Office and Scrubs fan. And Ron Nuremberg, you've told me you're coming on. So, you know, just do the deal. Um, Thank you, and we will see you all next episode. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Alamo Hour. You are all what make this city so great. We hope you join us next week. In the meantime, subscribe to our podcast. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash alamohour or our website, alamohour.com. Until next time, viva San Antonio.